This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Chloe Aponte and Chantel Segri with the Family Crisis Center. Aponte is a public awareness coordinator and internship coordinator with the Family Crisis Center and has been there for five years. She's a graduate of BYU-Idaho studying psychology and public health in 2018. Segri is is a current student at BYU-Idaho and is interning for the Family Crisis Center. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the Family Crisis Center. Yeah, so our center supports um, survivors of abuse. So we provide safety, self-sufficiency, hope, and healing for survivors of abuse. That encompasses a lot of different services, but our our goal is to be um, a resource and a support system for survivors in our area. That includes Madison, Jefferson, Fremont, and Clark counties. Um, so that does obviously include the BYU-Idaho campus. Um, so we're here wanting to raise some more awareness on campus specifically for students um, who would need or currently need um, our services. So kind of going into it, you focus a little bit on BYU-Idaho. I, I know we're here on campus, and I'm sure that that's um, a bit of why you, you talked a little bit about that. But what, if it's not too personal, what kind of cases do you usually see at the Family Crisis Center involving oh. college students? Yeah, so last year we had over 600 um, survivors, um, clients that came in. And of those, about one in six were 18 to 24-year-old female BYU-Idaho students. And those students, the majority of them, um, were coming in seeking support services for cases of sexual assault on campus with other students, um, with their peers that they either were in a ward with or knew from class or knew from a friend group, right? Um, and people that they felt like they could trust. And then um, just a wide array of situations were were happening and they were being um, assaulted or harassed um, or abused in some way. And so um, why we focus and want to raise awareness on the BYU-Idaho campus is just because obviously that's a very high prevalence. Um, it's within our community. And so we're kind of that resource close by. Um, and we we hope to prevent as much abuse as possible, um, but our resources are also available when things do happen. Um, where can someone go for healing and support and services, but also um, someone to talk to about what's happened to them that isn't shrouded in guilt and shame? That's a really important part of healing, and that's what we aim to do at our center is make sure that our clients know that no amount of um, behavior or previous choice warrants abuse and that that message is kind of that core message for our clients and that can lead to a lot of real healing for them. When somebody comes in to the health center and they're asking for help, what kind of help and services do you guys offer? Yeah, so we, um, our main service is our advocacy team. And when somebody calls or comes in, we also have a 24-hour crisis line. So people can call 24 hours a day and receive those services. But if somebody calls or comes in, um, they're able to meet with an advocate, explain as much or as little as they want about what they're experiencing or have experienced in the past. Um, And at that point, really, our, our advocates provide crisis counseling and intervention, making sure that they're physically safe. And then kind of moving on to that emotional um, support and safety. So our advocates are able to help them access services within our center or within the community if we don't provide them ourselves. So those include counseling, um, 
safe and stable housing. We have a shelter that's off-site. We also have a transitional housing program if they need to get in to new housing because they're homeless or at risk of being homeless because of any sort of abuse. Um, We work with Title IX on campus so that if they're a student specifically, there are services available to them so that they can switch classes or switch where they're living or um, receive other services specific to them being a student so that there aren't penalties to their academics or just emotional, um, the emotional trauma of still being within the same proximity of that person, right? Um, And then um, with our advocacy team, they also provide ongoing um, services. So it's not just a one and done. Um, If somebody comes in, they say, hey, I was assaulted. I don't know what to do. I want to be able to have that evidence that feels like it would be healing to me. We partner with SANE nurses, sexual assault nurse examiners. Um, Our main SANE nurse is actually Erin Benyon here um, on campus. She's the head of the nursing department. We partner with her and she comes and performs those exams and helps gather that evidence And then a client can decide what they do or don't want to do with that. So really, the services vary, and it's based on our clients and their situation, but it's also based on what's most healing for them. Another really important service that we provide, we have a thrift store and a food bank in our basement. And when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, those physical needs needs need to be met first. And so we're making sure that they are housed where they need to be housed. They have food, they have clothing, they have all those um, kind of basic things to live. And then we move on to that emotional healing. Um, So they're able to shop for free in our thrift store and receive food every week as well. Um, So everything for clients is free and confidential in our center. Um, And I think that financial barrier is really important um, to take that away. And so that healing becomes less stressful and more of something that can happen um, naturally, not the pace that it needs to for that person. So you studied psychology and public yes. health here at BYU-Idaho. While you were studying here, did you know that this was the route that you're going to take professionally? Yeah. So um, I actually, when I graduated, I joined AmeriCorps, which is the domestic branch of the Peace Corps. Um, and I chose a location in Idaho Falls where it was in the public health sector. I was actually helping teach about substance abuse and suicide prevention um, to teens kind of in the Bonneville County area. So I was within kind of that public health field. Um, After that, I actually worked for the state of Idaho and traveled around the state doing trainings within that same um, topic. So substance abuse and suicide prevention for teens. Um, And then kind of within that mix, I had exposure volunteering at the Family Crisis Center. I knew a lot of people there, and I was actually approached to do the job that I'm doing now. And they said, hey, we know you have the background and the skills to do this, um, but most importantly, like, we know that you're passionate about addressing stigmatized topics, which I am. I think it's really, really important to educate. Um, And so they approached me, and I said, yes, I'd love to do it. And so that's kind of how I ended up at the Family Crisis Center. Um, I was already living in the area still, so that was really nice because it was local. But um, I think for me, and not just because of my professional experience, but my my life, um, I think addressing topics that are highly stigmatized is something that um, is a driving force for me. And not to cause like arguments or anything like that. I just think information um, is really powerful. And I think it actually brings 
people closer together because then they're they're on the same playing field, right? Um, and so that's kind of what brought me to the Family Crisis Center, and I I love it there. We have a really incredible team. Um, that includes our interns, where people are as equally, if not more, passionate than I am and have some sort of lived experience within kind of the world of trauma. We all do, right? We all experience trauma. We all experience forms of abuse, whether we deem it super serious or not. And so I think it's just such an important and personal work for everyone that's there. Awesome. Chantel, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about what you've learned at the Family Crisis Center, because you are the intern this semester, yes? What have you learned here on campus that you've been able to apply in your internship at the Family Crisis Center? Okay, so that is a great question. Um, so in within the social work program, I have learned the importance of confidentiality. And I think that plays a major um, role within the Family Crisis Center because we want our clients to feel that, hey, you are in within a safe space and that um, they can trust us. And we want them to know that um, we are there to help them. So assuring them that they are safe with us and whatever that they say will stay within the bounds of the Family Crisis Center um, really plays an important role with getting the client to be more open about what is happening, what do you need help with, how would, how do we move forward, and what resources that we can what resources we can provide to in order to help them um, get through whatever that they are going through. So I think confidentiality plays a very important role. And what have you done since being the intern there? So, like, what I guess, what is your job title, and what do you do? Okay, so my job as an intern is is basically to um, to go around and to assist the advocates, to assist anyone that is in need, really. Um, so, like I said, would it be the advocates? Um, would it be the employee with, that is working within the thrift store? Would it be within the food bank area? Um, assisting at the front desk, taking phone calls, helping with projects, basically everything. And I am so grateful for that opportunity because I am able to learn different, different roles and different, different skills, which will then help to better shape me as a good social worker for the society, you know. So. Right. And that kind of leads on to my next question. What, with what you've learned at the Family Crisis Center, how are you going to apply all this information that you're taking in? Because you are covering very yes. tough topics. Yes. So how are you going to take that information that you've learned while, while interning at the Family Crisis Center into your line of work in the future? That is a great question. So I am from Jamaica. And so within Jamaica, we don't have a lot of resources that are accessible here. And so coming from a small island and from a small community, what I have gathered here, I would like to go back home and to help those who are experiencing domestic violence, sexual assault, all those forms of abuses, um, help them to gain access to resources that can better help them in order to get out of abuse or on their journey towards healing. Mm -hmm. So that is my goal, basically, is just to gather all that I've learned here and to go back and to help build um, my community. That's awesome. I think I think what's going on here with the Family Crisis Center is it's super cool. Because, you know, like you said earlier, everybody experiences some type of abuse or, I guess, trauma, mm -hmm. right? Teaching other people how to help others deal with that trauma in a correct and healthy way, mm -hmm. I think is it's really awesome. It's really just bettering the world. Like you say, you're going to be taking that back to Jamaica. Yeah. That's awesome. 
you'll be doing so much good. So how has the involvement of the community and students really helped spread awareness for the Family Crisis Center? Yeah, great question. I think um, why I love coming on campus specifically and talking with students is that our student population is very diverse. I mean, Chantel here is a great example, right? Our student population is not just from this area. They're from all over the world. And if we're able to empower individual community members to be more educated on the topics of abuse and what they are and what healthy relationships look like and what consent is and what resources are available and how you can um, support yourself or people in your life um, when abuse does occur. I think if people feel empowered with information, those people become change makers within their own communities. And you said it perfectly, Chantel, like you're going back to your home, back to your own community, and you're taking that information and you're taking that desire to support the people in your life that you already care about. And that's really what it's all about for me, Um, not just as a professional, but as a person, right? Like I would hope that my child, any of my children grow up knowing what abuse is, how they can help prevent it, how they can support other people and themselves. Like information is empowering. And so I think if our community is empowered with information, I think it helps prevent a lot of abuse. That's really a preventative measure, a huge one. Um, I think it also creates a culture of not tolerating abuse, which would be awesome. That's like the overarching goal of what our, our center does, right? Like, yes, our mission is to support survivors, but our overarching mission and goal is a world free of abuse. And will that ever happen? I don't know. But I do believe that individuals can make a really big difference. And so I think when there's so much diversity, we celebrate that. And we want people to be able to feel like their voice in making change does matter. And so, I don't know, I just, I like connecting with the students for that specific reason. And I know it's really hard sometimes for students because, you know, we're, we're teenagers. We're teenagers getting ready to get into adulthood and we're just trying to figure out life. Yeah. Yes. So what advice do you give those students who are feeling kind of scared or are dealing with that trauma? What advice would you give them and how, where where should they go to receive this help? Yeah, so I, I'll give my perspective and I'd like you to kind of speak as well to that. But I think when somebody is experiencing trauma, specifically any form of abuse, it feels very isolating. And if you're a student that any student, I mean, you're new to being a college student, you're new to living away from your own family or people that you're familiar with, or maybe it's a different culture, a different language, right? There's, there can be a number of barriers. I think when somebody experiences that, I think the best thing that you can do is to get to know what resources are available in your community. So we're obviously not the only one. We partner with a lot of um, community agencies, but I think accessing the Family Crisis Center, we try to make it really easy. So there are several ways. We have our website that does have like a chat feature on it. That's a secure site. And if people need to exit really quickly, we have like an escape button on our website. Um, we also have active social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram that people can reach out seeking services or just advice or information. Um, obviously, we also have a physical location. We're right on Main Street. Um, right by the Romance Theater. So we're at 16 East Main. And then like I mentioned before, we also have a 24-hour crisis line. So if somebody's calling outside of our business hours, 
they will be speaking with one of our trained volunteer advocates um, and they're able to receive those support services no matter what time of day. Abuse doesn't really have, you know, a constricted timeline. And so we we try and make sure that any avenue that people are comfortable using, they're able to come in. Um, another great way is our thrift store. And I kind of kind of breeze over that a little bit. But um, we have a lot of people that support our mission by donating to our thrift store, by coming in and shopping, by volunteering. All of those funds go back to supporting survivors directly within our community. And so that's a really, really cool way for somebody, if they're feeling really isolated and really scared, they can go into our thrift store, kind of feel how it feels, get comfortable with the space, and then if they want to seek services further, they can. We always recommend that just for our community to get to know our space and get to know where we are um, and to be involved in supporting our mission in some way. What do you think, Chantel? Yeah, Any other yeah. thoughts? <laughs> I think Chloe did a wonderful job with explaining everything. Um, while she was talking, um, the food bank came to my mind. And so we have our food bank um, that are on Wednesdays and Fridays, 11.30 to 1 p.m. And so um, they could come out and see what we do. Um, they are welcome to partake of um, the food that we have to offer, as well as um, whenever they walk in, um, the interns or the staff members, they are very welcoming. We're always greeting customers or clients with a warm smile and so that is just to show that hey you're like I said earlier you're within a safe split um place you can trust us um we're happy that you enter here and whenever they come in we're always saying um welcome or when they're there or whenever they're leaving we're always saying thank you for for stopping by so we try to show that we're happy that they um, walk in and we're so grateful that they stopped by because a lot of times I'll be at the front desk and I'll see people walking by and they just saw like the sign and then they would just turn around and just walk on back in and so to see them walking through that door and having that opportunity that opportunity to greet them you know that is just a great opportunity and yeah just to see the smiles on their faces when we say hey welcome in and thanks for stopping by you know yeah. I'm pretty sure it makes a makes a difference mm -hmm. and just one more question for you guys um just to raise awareness on abuse and trauma i i'm sure that there's a lot of students who have a hard time seeing the warning signs the warning signs yes mm -hmm. so thank you mm -hmm. what advice would you give to students to look out for those warning signs yeah i think healthy relationships are very intentional and when we are prepared with what we will and won't tolerate within our relationships, romantic or not. I think that is a huge protective factor. Warning signs are those things that fall outside of that. And we kind of, as people, operate within a spectrum of what we will and won't tolerate, right? And we set those boundaries and we sometimes let them fluctuate based on the, who the person is or how we're feeling or whatever. I think something that's super important with warning signs specifically for abuse is that we are creating boundaries within our own behavior, within our own behavior, not just of ourselves, but of the behavior that we will tolerate from other people. And that's so, so important because we can't take responsibility for other people's behavior and Certainly survivors are not to blame for any sort of victimization that they are experiencing. And I want that to be super clear. Um, but I do believe that it's a protective factor for pe people 
all people that they, that we all can decide what behavior we will and won't tolerate. Um, those warning signs can just be the way that they talk to the people around them, the way that they treat them. That can be um, a difference in behavior from when you first knew them and now that your relationship is getting more serious. Um, that can be a warning sign, um, whether it's good or bad. There's something called love bombing. If they're just like overly affectionate, um, very possessive of your time and of your thoughts and of all these things, like they're constantly talking to you either in person or over messaging or they're constantly sending you gifts or they're constantly coming over asking what you're doing or all of those things like those things can seem really affectionate um, but abuse the whole point is maintaining power and control over another person and so we have to think about those warning signs as like this is nice but it might make me feel a little bit uncomfortable and whatever boundary you've set stick to that boundary I think that's a really great way to protect yourself um, and like I said granted you cannot control someone else's behavior and so while you can be protecting yourself we know obviously things happen because other people choose their own things too and so I think setting your own boundaries for yourself and letting them fluctuate dependent upon what you believe and what you feel is okay but setting those boundaries um, is a really great way to, to help foster healthy relationships. That was Kalia Ponte and Chantel Segri with the Family Crisis Center. For more information about the Family Crisis Center, visit FamilyCrisisCenter.info or follow or follow the Family Crisis Center on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's Rexburg Family Crisis Center. On Facebook, FCC Rexburg. Thanks for joining me again. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. you.